And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. It is a start to another brilliant week. <laughs> I hope. Off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. It was clearly a busy week for the president. Uh, let's start with some of his sit-downs. This is our first keyword of the day. Back home. So President Yoon has returned home after attending the G20 summit in New Delhi. How did the summit go? What were some of the major takeaways? Right. So the summit actually uh, produced what was mostly assessed as some positive results, contrary to expectations uh, that it wouldn't due to uh, primarily Chinese President Xi Jinping's absence. So basically, many thought that if he wasn't there, then not much was going to be uh, achieved. But the, lead, uh, the leaders did manage to adopt a joint declaration on the first day. Uh, on issues facing the bloc. Now, the document reflects consideration both for Western nations and Russia amid a widening division over the invasion of uh, Ukraine. Now, given the rift between the major powers, it was expected to be difficult to issue uh, the declaration, uh, as was the case in the past. Now, the reaction was mostly that of surprise when it was issued on the first day. Uh, the ministerial meetings leading up to the summit had actually failed to issue a joint statement due mainly to the confrontation between the US and Russia, mainly over the wording uh, on the invasion of Ukraine and the subsequent statements in previous uh, multilateral gatherings. Um, it is definitely an achievement for India as well that it managed to avoid kind of a breakdown of the conference by taking the initiative uh, in encouraging compromises in the parties involved. Now, the declaration also includes support for the developing and emerging economies known as the Global South on the issues of uh, the food crisis and climate change. India also played a key role uh, there as well. Now, the declaration uh, clearly expresses opposition to the use of force to acquire any country's territory. Um, it also says the use or threat of uh, nuclear weapons is unacceptable uh, at a, an apparent swipe at North Korea. Meanwhile, on the sidelines, the US, India, Saudi Arabia and the EU have backed the development of a new ship and rail corridor connecting uh, India to the Middle East and the Mediterranean Sea. This is to counter China's Belt and Road Initiative. Um, there is some uh, Scepticism, though, over the achievements of the summit, uh, despite the surprisingly positive outcomes, they are mostly pledges at the end of the day, and implementation of the joint declaration um, remains crucial and does remain uh, to be seen whether they are implemented. Mm. Uh, the joint declaration also does not refer uh, to Russia or condemn its actions. Now, the G20 also still faces the challenge of resolving the fighting and civilian casualties in Ukraine. So it's largely just, as I said, vows and pledges and no real concrete uh, kind of measures to mm. kind of mitigate uh, not only the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but also the food crisis as well in developing countries. Mm. Uh, before heading, of course, to New Delhi, President Yoon was in Jakarta. So let's try to summarize what came out of uh, those trips. This is our second key word of the day. Overseas wrap-up. So President Yoon's six-day trip to Indonesia and then to India saw him engage in a flurry of diplomacy. There were many, many sit-downs. Uh, so what are the major takeaways from his trip overall? 
Yeah, so I'll try and keep this as uh, summarized and concise and as simple <laughs> sure. as possible. I won't go through every meeting that he had because we'll be here all day. But the main focus was basically international cooperation uh, and addressing various global challenges, uh, mainly, of course, North Korea uh, and other international uh, issues such as the Russia-Ukraine war and, of course, uh, Pusan's bid to host the 2030 World Expo. Now, Yoon began the trip in Jakarta where he attended a series of annual summits uh, involving ASEAN members and he also worked on strengthening the partnership between South Korea, the United States and Japan in the Indo-Pacific region. He also urged Russia and China to take responsible actions regarding North Korea's provocations while maintaining a diplomatic approach toward China and Japan. Mm. Uh, during the G20 summit uh, in India, Yoon pledged $300 million to the a green Climate Fund to help counter climate change. And he also pledged to provide an additional $2.3 billion in aid for Ukraine to help the nation rebuild in the wake of its war with Russia. And he also held multiple bilateral meetings on the sidelines. The list includes Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, uh, the Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, uh, and the Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Now, with Modi, you agreed to boost cooperation in defence and space. With Kishida, he agreed to work toward realising a trilateral summit um, with China. Now, you also met US President Joe Biden briefly, uh, and they recalled their pledges made during the Camp David summit that also included uh, Japan. Uh, Yoon also met with the Chinese Premier Li Chang briefly on the sidelines as well. Uh, he reportedly asked Li to give his regards to Xi Jinping, saying he hopes to see Li again before the end of the year. Whether that will be with Xi Jinping remains to be seen. Uh, now, the encounter only came three days after Yoon and Li actually mm. held talks in Jakarta as well. So Yoon actually met with uh, some of these world leaders for the second time in the mm. space of that uh, six days. Now, he held meetings with various world leaders as well uh, and promoted Pusan's bid for the 2030 World Expo in all of those meetings. Um, and uh, we'll have to see how much support he gets from mm. that uh, World Expo. But he was certainly busy uh, on the kind of sales pitch uh, for Pusan's World Expo bid. And the diplomatic front, of course, our eyes are on what will happen at the Eastern Economic Forum. This is our third keyword of the day. Where's Kim Jong-un? And is he expected to attend? Russia has kicked off an economic forum in Vladivostok, but there's no news of Kim Jong-un's potential meeting with the Russian president at the event. I mean, we had speculated that he might travel there by armored train, and then there were other mm. intelligence suggesting that now that we've talked about it, he might take a different route. Uh, so where is Kim Jong-un is pretty accurate. What's the latest? Yeah, it's kind of uh, a lot of people are kind of left in confusion at the moment because uh, the event, uh, the forum has already kicked off. Uh, but uh, no news of Kim Jong-un uh, showing up uh, at the moment anyway. Now, some reports suggested Kim might visit Vladivostok on his uh, armored train to meet uh, Putin during the Eastern Economic Forum to discuss a possible arms deal. However, there haven't been any unusual signs of Kim's possible trip at railway stations in Vladivostok and the border city of Kazan, where his train would pass through. Uh, there have been reports that he might not be taking a train as well. Uh, state media has showed Kim attending a photo session with participants uh, celebrating the 75th anniversary of the country's founding on Saturday. 
Uh, but uh, reports have been silent uh, about the trip. Uh, the Kremlin said it had nothing to say on the matter. Uh, Putin is expected to arrive in Vladivostok on Monday and attend the plenary meeting of the forum the following day. Uh, now, news network JNN does actually report that a group believed to be a North Korean delegation was seen visiting the Hassan train station near the North Korean-Russian border. They were seen wearing North Korean badges and maintenance activities were apparently noted at the station. Um, similar cleaning and patrol activities were apparently observed at the Vladivostok station. Uh, now, this has led to speculation that the final checks may be actually underway before Kim Jong-un's uh, special train uh, enters Russia. But uh, at this point now, there's been a lot of conflicting reports about this potential trip by Kim mm. uh, to Vladivostok. Uh, so we won't know anything until Kim Jong-un actually shows up. <laughs> it's unlike keeping tabs on any other world leaders. Uh, Kim Jong-un has always marched to the beat of his own drum, so we'll have to wait and see. Right. <laughs> yeah, certainly keeping us on our toes and uh, keeping uh, and looking out for the latest updates, yeah. All right, and on to South Korea's tax revenue. This is our fourth keyword of the day. Tax revenue falls. So South Korea's tax revenue for this year is likely to fall by quite a significant amount, and namely because, well, corporate taxes, performance results in less revenue. Tell us the details. Yeah, so there's been some concerns about uh, falling tax revenue for this year as well, and uh, especially during the pandemic. Now, Korea's tax revenue for this year uh, it's likely to fall below the initial estimate by around 60 trillion won, to hover at around 340 uh, trillion won. This is lower than the tax income of 344 uh, odd trillion won that was seen in 2021 at the height of the pandemic. Now, uh, of course, this is due to major revenue sources such as corporate tax and capital gain tax remaining sluggish due to the slow economy. Uh, now, the Finance Ministry is expected to release actually an update on the estimated tax revenue this week, uh, including corporate taxes prepaid until August. Uh, the upcoming announcement comes as the country's tax revenue has been falling short largely this year. Uh, the government normally does not share an update on the tax estimates unless drawing up a supplementary budget. Now, Korea's tax revenue in the first seven months of this year was 217.6 trillion won. That's down about 43 trillion won from the same period last year. Korea is largely dependent on corporate taxes, which take up an average of 22% of the total national tax income uh, since 2020. Now, despite the looming decline in this year's tax income, the government has been ruling out the chance of planning uh, a supplementary budget. Instead, it is likely to use some of the foreign exchange uh, stabilization fund bonds to make up for the de uh, deficit. Uh, the government has not yet confirmed how it will cover for the fall in tax revenue, uh, but the finance ministry still remains optimistic with future tax income projections, expecting the country's uh, tax income to rebound after further plunging next year as the economy recovers. Of course, any re economic recovery um, doesn't mean an immediate uh, kind of rebound in these numbers. It does take time for these numbers to mm. rebound. Now, the ministry views next year's tax income to stand at uh, 376.4 trillion won. That would be 27 trillion won uh, higher than the worsened projection of 340 trillion uh, for this year. But the ministry expects that there will be kind of 
small increments of improvements of about 20 to 30 trillion one each year um following this year so of course we'll have to wait and see but uh certainly mm. for the time being the numbers don't look that great uh speaking of the tough economy with struggling businesses uh perhaps this was expected a hiring freeze this is our fifth keyword of the day Tough job markets. So the employment prospects for young graduates in the second half of this year are expected to be more challenging. Uh, several major firms are not looking to recruit more workers. And we're not just talking about small and medium businesses struggling. We're talking about some of the top dogs in the country. That's right. So if uh, finding a job was uh, quite hard already, it looks like it's not going to be any easier, unfortunately. Now, this is, of course, due to deepening uncertainty, both domestically and internationally, when talking about the economy. Uh, a recent survey by a research institute known as Research and Research shows that 48% of respondent companies stated that they had not yet uh, established new hiring plans for the second half of the year. 16.6% indicated that they had no plans for hiring whatsoever. Uh, among the top 10 large corporations, six of them have either not established hiring plans or have yet to do so. Only about 35% of companies surveyed have set new hiring plans for the second half of this year. Among them, about 58% plan to maintain a similar level of hiring as the previous year, while about 24% plan to actually reduce their hiring. Mm. Uh, those planning to increase hiring were only um, uh, at 18 odd, uh, some 18 percent. Now, the most common reason for not hiring or reducing hiring was stated as tightened management due to deteriorating profitability and coping with business uncertainty. Other reasons mentioned by respondent companies included uh, prolonged global economic downturn and deteriorating economic conditions due to high interest rates and exchange rates. As a result, the job market for new graduates this year is expected to be uh, more competitive than the previous year. Uh, the respondent companies said that on average it will be about 81 to 1 mm. uh, for a single job posting. Uh, despite the challenging employment situation, especially for young people, there is also this a phenomenon that's being roughly translated to English as job mismatch, where companies actually struggle to find the right talent. Now, mm -hmm. among the obstacles related to new hiring the survey, difficulty finding suitable talent was the most frequent cite frequently cited um, issue at just under 31%. So not only are companies not having plans of hiring, they're struggling to find the right people mm -hmm. for jobs uh, that are uh, quite scarce at the moment as it is. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about the introduction of AI. Why why doesn't that help? Help us uh, try to find the right match between employers and employees? Because that could also work in reverse, right? Maybe the employees are dissatisfied with the job that they found. That's good. Uh, that is a good point. But uh, of course, there's also <laughs> that issue of, well, is AI taking over the jobs as well? <laughs> or, or, or is AI designed to be impartial, actually fairer than the human counterpart? Oh, we could do this for hours, but yes. I, I must <laughs> let you go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Adam. I'll see you tomorrow. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.